Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, and everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, because he's
New Hope. You guys want to make your way back to your seats. We're going to go ahead and get started with today's service. So good to be in the house of the Lord. I look forward to every Sunday. So we're in the fall. We, uh, we got in-house air conditioning today, so enjoy it. I was, uh, I was praying for the service today, and I really feel that, you know, God is, is showing us that, that, you know, it's really time for us as, as a church and as our community to kind of step up to the next level, amen? I, I, I believe that God wants to do uh, amazing things through us. We serve a big God, and we serve a God who does big things, amen? So today, are you guys up today? Is there coffee in the back? Can we get, everybody can get a round of coffee here. We're still sleeping. I know it's cold outside, and I know that it's a little rainy, and I know some of us are a little bit groggy, but, but we're going to be here. Maybe our worship team can get everybody going and moving today. I hope so. We can get warmed up. Uh, you can jump around. You can run a couple laps if you want to. But these guys are already ready to run a couple laps. So, But I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to turn it over uh, to our worship team. Just want to touch base with you, the stuff that's going on during the week. We have Celebrate Recovery every Monday night, 7 o'clock. We also have Bible study, and that's on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. And then we have the Festival of the Churches coming up um, this Saturday. And so there's sign-up sheets in the back for uh, volunteers. And um, I think that uh, probably what we need to do is um, have a volunteer meeting on Thursday night. So if you're available on Thursday night and you can help with Festival of the Churches, if you signed up in the back, um, if you could come to the church Thursday at 7 o'clock just for a quick meeting and a quick get-together so we can make sure that all that's organized. You know, they, they had Jambridge, uh, in, 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 you know, down the street and... The, their big thing is they didn't want to do Jambridge on the same day as the Festival of the Churches. You know, just kind of two different crowds, right? You got the headbangers, beer drinker crowds, and then, you know, we would have the Festival of the Churches in the park, which was cool because that would give us, you know, that was kind of like, I figured, like, that's kind of our mission field, right? The people drink, they want good food, they wander over, you know, we give them the gospel, get them saved, you know? But um, they didn't want it. And so guess what? It got cold and rainy. So I'm believing God that since the Festival of Churches is next Saturday, we'll have a sunny day. And they'll say, well, maybe we should have had it on the same day. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead. And if you guys want to stand to your feet, we'll go ahead and pray and get started today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for all the people who have gathered here. Lord, we thank you for even uh, those who are still uh, on their way, Lord. I pray that you would just bless this service, Lord. I pray that you would just 
build our faith, that you would strengthen us, build us up. Lord, give us supernatural strength, supernatural energy, Lord, for everything that, that we're going to face in the next coming days, weeks, and years. Lord, we just, we just give this service to you, and we just say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God, just for the way you work in our lives, the way you work in our hearts, God. You work in our families. When we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. We'll see salvation. We'll have joy in our hearts, in our lives. You're going to break through. God, we trust in you because you're our Father. And you care for us, God. Thank you, Lord. That's who we serve today. Just give our love to you, Lord. Give our love to you.
my worship. Give you all my worship. I give you all my song. Cause you alone, you alone, I worship you alone. I give you all my worship. I give you all my song. 
before we continue in worshiping our God, we, there's a guy who's special to me. There's two guys who just been, there's one guy who's been working his butt off and just providing for the church and doing a lot of things for somebody in the church. And there's another guy who's just been there for my family, been there for me, even prayers, just a lot. And I definitely want to give them guys a happy birthday. So if we can give a happy birthday to Glenn Spratley and Steve Ilnigi today, can we give them a happy birthday? Them guys are great people. Them guys are great people. Them guys are great leaders, you know. Honestly, 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 honestly. Oh, can we worship his name? Christ is our firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking. I'll never bend for the I put my faith in
upon the teachers as they can ready to teach these kids the word, Lord. Fill them up with your grace and your passion, Father, and allow them to seek you in trials, Father. Allow them to seek you in struggle. Father, fill them up with your love so that they can pour out upon these kids this morning, Lord. So they can give these kids all they have for you. Father, show these teachers the way, Lord. And open these kids' ears. And allow them to hear and listen to you. Father, fill them up and just stop and just feel your love today, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. We're going to take today's offering, so if I could get our ushers to come forward. By the way, if somebody lost money, I have it. I found it on the floor, but don't lie because God sees you. But if you legitimately lost some money, uh, let me know. Matthew 
6.33 says that if you put the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. And that whole passage in Matthew 6 talks about people worrying. And, you know, we're in a time where everything seems like it's getting more expensive. You know, I, I, we're getting more and more calls. People need help. People are hurting, you know. Uh, everything went up. Inflation, food, you get $300 worth of food and it lasts you like two days. Like, at least it feels like that, you know. But how many know that God is your provider? And that whole scripture verse talks about worrying and how worrying doesn't do any good and, and how, you know, what most people do is they, they try to figure out like, okay, well, how am I going to get food and how am I going to get clothing and how am I going to get that? And that consumes their whole life. But the word of God says that if you put the kingdom of God first, then God, your provider, will provide everything. He'll bring it all in place for so that's what I just want to challenge you with. Sometimes we get so stuck because we figure like, okay, when I get extra money, when I get things set up, then I'll start giving. Or I give a little bit after I've done everything that I did, then I'll give a little bit of my leftovers. But it doesn't work like that. We call that eating your seed. And if you take some of your seed and you sow it into the kingdom of God, God will multiply that and he'll provide for you from uh, different places from crazy places, things that you never expected would happen, things that you were thinking about buying people will give to you. It just happens like that. God is your provider. He's your source. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that you are a good father, that you are our provider, Lord. You know everything that we need, Lord. So we thank you for your word that says that you will supply all of our needs through your riches and glory. Lord, so I just, I, I pray especially for those who maybe are, are struggling and, and maybe they're, they're a little bit nervous, Lord. I, I pray that they would just feel the peace that passes all understanding, that they would know that you are our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that, um, that we do have still the, the box for the Philippines. Our tag got a little bit torn, but we are trying to send some medicine, but we're kind of running out of time because that stuff needs to get into the mail. So uh, get a hold of Dan or Brian if you want to. Can you guys raise your hands back there? Dan and Brian. Dan, raise your hand. All right. These two guys in the back row, if you want to get a hold of them, if you'd like to support uh, the things that they're doing, uh, they're going to need that stuff so you can get with them, I'm sure, so that they can get it boxed up and get it, get it sent over there. So are you guys ready for the word? Yeah. All right, why don't we do this really quick before we get to, to the word. I just want you to stand up, find somebody who you never talked to before, tell them hi, introduce yourself, give them a big smile. Go ahead, get up. It's all right. Let's take a minute, fellowship. Don't talk to the same people you always talk to. Tell them they look good. Praise God.
Give them a big smile. You sow a smile, you reap a smile. Show them the pearly whites or the corny yellows or whatever you got. Start making your way back to your seats. Hard to believe we got so many good looking people in one room this morning. Yeah. Amen. That there you go. Everything God makes is beautiful. I agree with that. Even animals. All right, so we are doing a series called The Pursuit of Happiness. And um, did you ever wonder what is a Christian supposed to be like? I really think that that's the question that the Beatitudes are supposed to answer. What is a Christian like? Well, first of all, it says that we are poor in spirit. That means that we realize the need for God in every area of our lives. That we are those who mourn. That we mourn not only about our own sin, but also the sin and evil that we see out in the world. That we're meek. That we understand self-discipline and, and self-control. We, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to be morally upright. And, and we look forward to the day when Jesus returns and and sets everything uh, right side up again. We're, we're a people who are merciful. As a people who have received mercy, we give mercy even to the least of these. And also, we are pure in heart. That means that we do things and our actions are guided not to make a show to the world, but the things that bring glory to God. And, and the next thing that we're going to talk about is... Uh, one that specifically says is a marker of being in God's family. And that's Matthew 5, verse 9. It said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. And I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is, is power. Your word is life. It's it's a lamp for our feet. It guides all of our ways, Lord. It's truth. Lord, and your word says that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would be imparted with truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word. Lord, I pray that the people of God would be edified and I pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified in this house today. And everybody said, Amen. So I was thinking about this whole concept of the, the peacemaker, and it kind of took me back to when I was 19 years old, and when I was, in 19, when I was 19 years old, I was, I was in the army, and I found myself in a country called Bosnia, and in Bosnia, there was a, a civil war, it was, it was the location of the worst fighting in Europe since World War II. It's estimated that about 100,000 people died 
in the Bosnian Civil War, although they don't know the exact amounts because it was such a brutal war. Uh, there was massive amounts of, of ethnic cleansing that happened there. There were three different factions that were fighting and, and it got so bad and it got so bloody that the UN intervened and they set up five separate camps that would be safe zones. But guess what? Those safe zones all got overran and people went in there and they literally slaughtered the people who thought they were safe. The UN soldiers just caved, just didn't, just didn't fight for them. And that kind of ended in a siege of a city called Sarajevo. And Sarajevo was, it's, it's about the same size as Pittsburgh. It's about 300,000 people in population. And, 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 you know, a siege of a city is when they surround it and they don't allow anybody in or out. So these people were just trapped in this city. And if they tried to leave, there was snipers, there was artillery that was barraging them. So they were just, just kind of trapped in a kill zone. And so what happened is uh, NATO, read that, America, right? America's planes went and bombed those, those positions. And then what happened is because of that bombing and the U.S. intervention, that brought these three parties to the table in Dayton, Ohio, and they signed something called the Dayton Peace Accords. And so they signed these Dayton Peace Accords, which kind of split the country, kind of wasn't right up the middle, but they kind of went around. And so... We basically went there to enforce the terms of the peace agreement. And I was looking up things, and I'm happy to say that some 27 years later, that, that peace still stands in that country. And I can tell you that war is an ugly, ugly thing. It's a horrible thing. I mean, the way that this country was destroyed and the infrastructure that... That, that was just wrecked, all the bridges were blown up, people didn't have running water, I, I mean, whole families, I, I can remember talking to this one guy and him just telling me, like, you know, he was married, he had children, he didn't know whether his family was alive, whether they were dead, whether they got to escape to another country, he couldn't even get there to where his family was, and it's just... It's just a really, really ugly thing. And, you know, we really need to be praying uh, for the people in Ukraine that they're just going, I mean, their country's just getting massively, like, destroyed. And it's just, it's a horrible thing if you ever come face-to-face -face with war. And, and war is really what happens when all negotiations break down, when people can't talk anymore, when they can't agree. That's sort of this... Um, amplified version of like okay well we can't come into agreement so so we have to make war and in the midst of, of, of war it takes action to make peace and, and a person who's a peacemaker it's it's someone who with their life they, they actively try to make peace they have a value on peace anybody who sows division really is is doing the work of the devil and somebody who promotes peace is a son of God. And we might not have to deal with things that are, that, that are so extreme as war. But there are some things that, uh, that we do that maybe we don't realize that are actually evil that will rob us of peace and will cause division. 
Some people are gossips. They gossip about other people. They, well, did you hear about so-and-so? And they, you know, and they just go and, and they might not actually attack them, but they attack their character. Some people have jealousy in their hearts. You know, God forbid somebody gets a new car or somebody else gets married and they see that, well, you know, I don't know how they got a new car. I don't have a new car. How they get not, you know? It's like, you know, people just have these things in their hearts and, and some people just, they're just used to chaos and drama. And, and some people are just divisive, right? There's people that you know that they're just always in the middle of stuff. They're always arguing, always find something wrong with stuff. They're, they're, they're always causing trouble. And we might, not, we might look at some of those things and not really see it, you know, as evil. But what happens is that those kind of things, they break apart friendships. They, they, they destroy churches. They destroy businesses. And, and a person who is constantly disruptive, constantly divisive, constantly quarrelsome... They're, they're either not a Christian or they're a disobedient one because the Bible says that Christians are supposed to be peacemakers. It is peacemakers who are sons of God. When I go places, I should carry peace with me, not drama. I should go to where I'm going and I should bring peace. My presence should bring peace into a room. I shouldn't bring a bunch of drama into a room. If not, something is wrong. And the promise of the gospel is not just through Jesus' death that I'll have peace with God, but also that I become an instrument of peace in the world around me. The cross is vertical and it's also horizontal. It was meant to bring us peace with God and also it should bring us peace in our relationships around us. I want to look at a passage in Ephesians 2 and look at uh, how Jesus becomes our peace in these situations. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn them to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 11. If you're there, say amen. We got one person fast on the draw. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Therefore, remember that you are once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what's all this saying? So what it's talking about is you had two people groups. You essentially had the Jewish people and then the Gentiles is like everybody else who is, who is non-Jew. So when you see this talk about the circumcision, the uncircumcision, right? The circumcision was the covenant that was given to Abraham for the Jewish people. So they would be called the circumcision. And, and then everybody else was called the uncircumcision, right? And these people, they would not even eat together. They would have nothing to do with one another. The Jews 
of that time did not have anything to do with the Gentiles. That means they didn't eat together, they worshipped different gods, they wouldn't intermarry, they were, they were totally separated. However, because of Jesus' death on the cross, the whole thing was changed. Let's go to verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and he has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So here's what all that's saying. This is kind of the Cliff Notes version, right? Jesus made peace by dying on the cross and bringing salvation not just to the Jew, but also to the non-Jew because he totally fulfilled the law. And the early church was composed of both Jews and Gentiles who had this separation before, but now they're no longer separated. Now they could fellowship together. Now they could eat together. They intermarried and they worshiped worship Jesus together. And that wall of separation that was between them was torn down and Jesus became our peace. And the gospel message doesn't just have the power to unite Jews and Gentiles who were separated. It also has the power to reunite a husband and wife. It also has the power to, to make peace between two Christian business partners who are at odds. It has the power to make peace between two fighting church members or, or a church board and, and a pastor. But the problem is, is most people have not been trained how to resolve conflict biblically. Most people don't know how to, how to deal with conflict. You know, for most people, if any, any little bit of conflict in their life, then, you know, they, they handle it in very unhealthy ways. Sometimes it's like, well, if I get into a conflict, I got to win at all costs. I got to win the war. We're, we're in. I got to make sure that everybody knows that I'm right. And, and I got to make sure that you know I'm right. Right? I got to win at all costs, no matter what it costs me. How many know that sometimes you can be right, but you can end up losing the war? Right? Especially in a, in a marriage. You can fight to make yourself right all the time. And you can get divorced. In that process. Sometimes you just got to choose that, you know what, I'm going to be at peace. It's not about me. Some people just will totally avoid stuff, right? They just have avoidant personalities. And so they'll just avoid the problem, avoid the problem. And then it builds up, builds up, builds up. And then one day, the person just explodes. Or it comes out in, in all kind of other unhealthy ways. Some people will just totally run from any kind of conflict. That's why you have so many church hoppers. They hop from church to church to church because like they go to this church and then somebody does something that they don't like and instead of 
dealing with it, they just bounce to the next place, they bounce to the next place, then eventually they get to a place where they're just like, well, you know, I guess, you know, God just has a unique call for me, and I'm just not to be part of any church. I'm like, okay, well, that's not really in the Bible, but, you know, whatever, have at it. And then, and, and you know, and I think that's why people are so quickly, like, divorced, because we got to understand that while you know, we might not like conflict. A lot of times conflict, there is opportunity in conflict if it can be handled in a biblical way. Sometimes when you handle conflict in a biblical way, it, it, it allows you to understand the other person more. It, 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 it helps you grow in grace and godliness sometimes to go through it. And sometimes conflict, although it can seem kind of ugly at first, it actually has the uh, possibility of deepening that relationship and maturing that relationship so it's actually a much more healthy relationship. And, you know, before I'm going to talk a little bit about how to resolve conflict biblically, but before I kind of do that, I kind of just need to preface it by we, we all need to understand that every hill is not meant to die on, right? Like, there are certain things that you got to just say, you know what, this just isn't worth fighting over, and it's just not even worth arguing over. There's times I'm with people, and they'll say all kind of crazy stuff, and I could sit there and debate them and argue with them, but you know what, it's not my job to fix every single person in the world. And sometimes I just got to choose that, you know what, I'm just going to guard my peace, And sometimes you got to make the choice that I'm just going to overlook the offense. Sometimes you just got to, you just got to overlook it, but you have to, you have to, if you do overlook it, you're not avoiding it. Like it's not overlooking an offense if I overlook an offense, but then I get a root of bitterness in my heart. If I can overlook the offense without allowing it to get a root of bitterness, then that's always going to be your first and best play. Sometimes people just have bad days. Sometimes they're just, you know, sometimes they're just, they, they don't understand. And in times when they mature, they get older, they have a little bit more life experience, they'll know a little bit better. Uh, the book of Proverbs says that, it says that good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That a man's insight gives him patience and his virtue to overlook an offense. So that's always going to be the the first play to say, you know what, I'm just going to give them grace. Right? I receive grace. The gospel says that, that that I am loved so I can give love. That I've got grace so I can give grace. That I have been forgiven so I can forgive. Sometimes you just got to let it go. And sometimes that's the best play. But there are some times where you're not going to be able to let it go. That you do have to deal with it. That, you know, that convert, you have to have that conversation. And I want to talk about when conflict arises, how we can resolve it in a biblical way and you know just to be able to help you understand it we call it the the 4g approach and and i'll break all these down number one is to glorify god 
Number two is to get the log out of your own eye. Number three is to gently restore. And number four is to be reconciled. The first one is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. That everything that we do as Christians is meant to glorify God. So when I get into this conflict, like most people think about, well, what about me? What about me being right? What about what I need? And what you have to ask yourself is, how can this situation glorify God the most? Because that's our goal, right? Whatever we do, whatever we do in life, should we, we are supposed to do for the glory of God. So there are going to be times where maybe we lay down our rights or maybe we lay down what we think we deserve because to do that would glorify God, would bring the most glory to God, would, would, would help our reputation as a Christian. So that's the first thing that you got to look at when you enter into a conflict. First of all, how does this glorify God? So it's not about myself anymore, right? Because if, if we've been crucified with Christ through the gospel, then it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. So, so my life is gone. I, I was, the old man was crucified with Christ, and I've been raised to a new resurrected life, and that life is designed to bring glory to God. So in every type of conflict that I get into, I have to ask myself, how can this eventually glorify God? So that's the first, that's the first question that you've got to ask yourself. The next thing is to get the log out of your own eye. This comes from Matthew 7, 5. Also from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Generally, in conflict, there's the other person and then there's what you've done. And what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to focus on everything that they have done wrong. Every mistake they made, everything that they said. But we don't look at ourselves to actually see what we have done and the things that, that, that we've done in that. And, you know, the, the principle that Jesus is talking about, he's saying, like, you're worried about the speck in your brother's eye, but you literally have a log in your eye. And so you have to own your part of the, the offense. And if you, if you did anything wrong, then you need to come clean with that. And a lot of times when you go to approach that person, that's the best way to, to kind of start that whole conversation. Not by pointing out what they did wrong, but owning what you did wrong in the conflict. And, and you, you might think, well, that'll put me in a weaker position. But again, you're doing what glorifies God. Are you walking in truth? Because that's what you have to do. And a lot of times when you own your part of it, the other person will begin to own their part of it. But if I'm just throwing accusations out, 
then they're just going to throw accusations back at me. Again, it's, it's reaping and sowing. And so I have to own my part of it. So first of all, what in this situation, how in this situation can it glorify God? Next, I'm going to get the log out of my own eye. Then next, number three, is to gently restore. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Restoration is, you know, when you have a, another brother or sister in Christ, and they have a behavior that is affecting your relationship or affecting the relationships around them, so once you've owned your part of it, now you can gently, speaking the truth in love, tell them what they are doing wrong. And ideally, the goal is not to, you know, they're, they're wrong and you're right. The goal is to bring about a restoration and bring about a healing. That's why I said conflict provides opportunity because if it's handled properly, we both come out of it more mature with a deeper relationship. So gently restore. And, and you know, you, you really have to pick your words carefully. If your goal is really restoration, then, then you, need to, you need to be able to speak the truth. And some people are so conflict-averse that when they finally get that point and they finally get up the strength and the courage... To like tell the person what they're doing wrong. It's like they puke and like everything that that person has done wrong within the past 10 years. Or like, right? And that's not going to work. You got to gently restore. You speak the truth in love in a spirit of gentleness. And finally, the last thing is to be reconciled. Be reconciled. Now... We're called to forgive everyone. So what happens is, you know, if somebody does something to me, I am called to forgive because I've been forgiven. So I'm called to forgive, but reconciliation involves repentance. So the other person actually has to own what they did wrong so that there can be reconciliation. You guys get that, right? So we're called to forgive because if you hold on that, the Bible says that, that if, if you don't forgive somebody, then you won't be forgiven. So we have to, we, we have to forgive. We discharge the debt. Whatever they, they, we feel that they owe to us, we let it go. We let it go. I'm forgiving. I'm, I'm discharging the debt. But to be reconciled, requires repentance on their part and then we can reconcile and the relationship can be back to where it's supposed to be but you have to learn to put a value on peace you have to say that my peace is valuable i want to have peace in my life you have to to value peace in your life and you have to guard that peace and when we learn to number one to value peace 
when we learn to be able to communicate with one another and resolve conflict in a biblical way, not only will our church be a healthy place to to come to church at, but all your relationships will begin to flourish. Amen? And, you know, before I I close today, because I, I intentionally focused on all of our, like, external relationships, because really... Having peace requires that, you know, number one, that we have peace with God, that we have peace within ourselves, and that we have peace around us. That's sort of the the Hebrew definition of shalom. It's like a a total kind of peace. And I, I focused on, like, biblical conflict in our relationships because I feel like that's the place where we needed to focus the most today, but... Don't forget that your, your, your first and foremost call as a peacemaker is to share the gospel of peace. Because we talked about being at war. How many of you know that people who aren't saved are actually at war with God? And the peace delegation has been sent. Jesus came from heaven, he came to earth, he lived the life that that we should have lived, and then he died to death, taking the punishment that we should have taken. But we have to accept that gift, and we have to make Jesus the Lord of our life. If not, then God will make war with that person. But we have a dispensation, we have a dispensation of grace and it's up to us to go out and to preach the gospel of peace that 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 God has declared peace that he sent his son to to die in our place for our sins and we can put our faith in him and we can be saved and we can have our ultimate peace with God if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed today if that's you today and you have not experienced the peace that comes from knowing God. I want to give you that opportunity. I don't want to take for granted that everybody here knows God, that everybody made that, that their peace with God, and you have to have a time, and you have to have a place where you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, and today can be your day of salvation. If that's you today, and you've never made Jesus a Lord of your life, I want you to just simply slip, slip a hand up and put it in the air. Today can be your day of salvation. Is there anybody here before we close? Anybody here? Amen. If we could all just stand to our feet. So once again, for us, the good news is that we all know Jesus. Amen? So we've made our peace with God, and when we leave these doors, we're going to head out to the mission field to share the gospel of peace. But there's a lot of people out there that they need Jesus, and they need a church. And I need you guys to go out, and I need you guys to go out and invite people to church, share the gospel with them, because we don't know how much time we got left, amen? 
Can we just lift our hands to heaven? Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your peace, Lord. And I just pray for, I just pray for anybody in here who their life is like a storm. I just pray the peace of God would rest upon each and every one of them. Lord, I pray that they would know you in a deep way. Lord, I pray for relationships right now that are kind of in a bad place. I pray for marriages. I pray that marriages would be restored in the name of Jesus. I pray for, I, I pray for parents who are, have broken relationships with their children. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to heal that now in the name of Jesus. I pray for broken families. I pray you would heal wounds in the name of Jesus. And I pray for even broken friendships. And, and I, I pray a special prayer for anybody in here who maybe they've, they've been hurt in a church. They've been hurt by spiritual authority. For whatever reason, lied to, betrayed, deceived. Lord, I just pray that you would just begin to heal their heart. And I pray that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would rest upon uh, this congregation and all their family in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, could we worship them together? Thank you, Lord.
can only imagine, Lord, when that day comes, when we're worshiping around the throne. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done in our life and that you're going to continue to do in the next coming days, weeks, and years. Can we lift our hands to heaven? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And until we meet again, may the blessing and the favor and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ rest upon you and your house. This service is dismissed. If you need prayer, I'll, I'll be up here. But God bless you. Have a great, great Sunday.